This is the Implant Games Podcast with Chris and Austin, the show where we talk about old school games, collecting, YouTube, and more. This is episode 64, Do the Math. Welcome to episode 64 of the Implant Games Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Genthy. With me as always, Austin Meckert. How are you, Austin? <laughs> Austin's new equipment is malfunctioning. <laughs> no, that was the a really bad impression of the Atari Jaguar system splash screen oh, intro. Is that what it is? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know. If I had some fancy like sample hardware and stuff like that, I would have just triggered a sample or something. But uh, yeah, we're not that good. So no, no. The show is done as cheaply and efficiently as possible. Yeah, but that's okay. Well, both of us uh, are in terrific moods. <laughs> you have a new shift um, that isn't so strange, uh, and now it's a lot less. It's a lot easier to find time that we both have off together to uh, record the show. Yeah, that's, think, uh, that's definitely definitely easier to do that, for sure. I think for the last three years, you and I have pretty much had almost no even like overlap in the hours that we worked. And uh, some days, some years, some months, we would record on Saturdays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Sundays, just all sorts of holidays, you know, when we were both off. So, yeah, it sounds like you have a much more reasonable schedule and uh, good for you. Yeah, it is and it isn't, but uh, that's another topic for another day or another chat. But <laughs> um, yeah, so episode sixty-four. Episode Austin. sixty-four. You know the big six-four. You know I've said the big insert episode number here a lot of times in the past, but uh, we've this actually is more important than a hundred. Sort of. This is huge. Sort of. It's massive. Uh, we've actually been looking forward to doing this episode for a while, but uh, Chris and I have been, obviously, as we just mentioned, uh, <laughs> schedules have been conflicting, so to say. Um, but this is going to be an episode completely dedicated to the Atari Jaguar. The 64-bit Atari Jaguar. The 64-bit beast. Or or as my Midwest friends would say, would say the Jaguar. Jaguar. Jaguar, yes. And as the British would friends, say, uh, Jaguar, Jaguar. Right? Jaguar. Jaguar. Um, but no, actually, I, I just threw 64-bit in there just because it sounded really cool. I don't even know if the system <laughs> is actually 64-bit. <laughs> it says so right on it. It says it right on the multimedia box. system. It must be 64-bit. It is. It is. <laughs> it is exactly the same as a Nintendo 64. <laughs> <laughs> Please note the sarcasm, people. Yeah. Um, so right. yeah, we're going to be uh, essentially sort of focusing this episode or revolving it around a similar format as our Retro Gaming Awards from earlier on in this year. Uh, Chris and I are basically going to just start off talking about the JAG, and then we're going to move it into essentially talking about our top five favorite games and our top least, or the top five worst? least favorite games, the top five worst, worst games. Five? And, you know, these might not actually be the worst games in the system, so to say. It's just we kind of don't like them that much. And so there are I haven't played all 60-whatever games. You're slacking, dude. I've played all yes. of them. I have not played. <laughs> I can't say. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> That's actually not true. I, I'm missing out on a couple games, like a couple of telegames releases and some yeah. soccer games. But uh, aside from that, I'm pretty good. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, oh, man, Jaguar, such a... Under, this I don't, oh, whole man. 
this whole podcast and the fact that you and I know each other and probably it's responsible for the website just to still exist um, is all because of the Atari Jaguar. Um, you and I met uh, online, I guess, uh, through the Atari Age Jaguar forums back in probably, also I'm guessing, the summer of 2010. I believe so, yeah. Um, because you are, if you... If you visit any forums that Austin and I are in, I rarely post anything anywhere, and Austin's actually pretty good at the community stuff. Um, but back in those days, I think I was a lot more active in the JAG scene, but um, due to like the weird turmoil, infighting nonsense of the JAG community at the time, somehow me and Austin you know, got to know each other, and we kind of had very similar views on the ridiculousness that was kind of happening in the community uh, back around then and sort of, uh, you know, formed a friendship of sorts back then and kind of went a little further with YouTube. Austin helped me a lot uh, at the beginning of starting the Implant Games uh, YouTube channel Um, and all those old videos are still out there and they're terrible. Um, But through Austin helping me and feedback and things like that, um, one day I messaged him, do you, it was probably February or March of 2011, do you want to record a podcast? And uh, so we did, and we've, that's pretty much where we are today. So because of the JAG, there's probably no way that we would have ever met. (laughs) And there's probably no way uh, this podcast would even exist. Yeah, there's (laughs) probably nobody else I would want to do this podcast with um (laughs) austin used to do these well austin still does them they're just a lot higher quality but you'll just sit in front of you know your microphone and play a game for an hour and you'll just totally wing it and it's very very entertaining like i I watch them all and they're very entertaining to me um and so that's why i wanted you to do this podcast because i knew i would be entertained and therefore (laughs) our listeners would be entertained and uh you know there's really nobody else that i think could pull that off so and that all started because we both were on the uh atari age jaguar forums at the same time you know with a love for this system austin i had some notes and i don't know if you agree with this or not but before we get into the top uh games and the uh, the worst games for the system um, I always kind of wanted to put together like a, you know, a system overview or a write-up of the JAG because there's a lot of things that are really cool about the JAG that nobody talks about. Um, so some of these we've heard before and some of these, if you've never owned a JAG, you'll honestly have no idea. Um, but the first one is the controller, which I think me and Austin uh, both agree is actually very comfortable to hold. I agree. Uh, everyone likes to make fun of it, that it's too big, it's got too many buttons, it has a silly number pad and whatever, but it actually is really comfortable to hold. I agree. Um, I, and you know what? And not to veer too far off topic, but I was thinking the other night, the Wii U gamepad controller... Really yeah, reminds me and feel of the Atari Jaguar <laughs> controller. Yeah. Like, and it's really comfortable. Um, so if any of you guys have used a Wii U tablet controller, and if you like that, you kind of get an idea of what it's like holding a Jaguar controller. It's actually very similar with how the back is curved, uh, and you just don't even realize it, but that's kind of what it, holding a Jag controller is like. It's It looks obtuse and kind of awkward in pictures, but when you get your hands on it, you're like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. So, it would be like a chat pad on an Xbox 360 controller. It looks ridiculous, but it's still comfortable to hold. Yep. 
Um, I find the D-pad a bit mushy and the buttons a bit mushy, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can play a spirited game with Raiden and not really have any problems, so it's hard to complain too much. Yeah. Um, the next thing, and this probably, other than Worms, which we mentioned before, uh, all original Atari Jaguar games actually support save. I don't think it's a battery backup, Austin. I, I may be incorrect. It may have some sort of writable media on there, but all JAG games support save files. Yeah, which I, is, I'm, I actually I do think it's some form of uh, flash memory. And, I believe uh, so, too. And it only has a certain amount of writes uh, to it, but it's like some ungodly number, like 150,000 or something like but that. But then you can just reset it and do it again. I'm not sure if it resets back to zero. I'm not sure I how think that works. You have to reset it as the user. Yeah, which you and can do that on. Again. You can do that on startup of the game by holding in a certain yep. keypad combination. Um, so, but I don't but, think too many. I don't think there's been too many accounts of cartridge cartridge batteries, or sorry, not batteries, but you know the, the flash memory the flash going just bad. dying completely. So, and this is 20 years after the Jag uh, was in its prime. So. But what makes that so cool is if you, um, well, like a platformer, for example, a game like Rayman, uh, which is incredibly difficult and not really, you can't beat that game in one sitting. Um, so you can just save it and, you know, do it in 20 tries instead of one, unlike a Sonic the Hedgehog or, um, you know, a, I don't even know, some other platform games, but it's really cool, it'll, and uh, it'll save your volume settings. So you know, if you like to have the background music loud or really soft or whatever, that saves all of that kind of stuff. You know, fast times and super burnout. For, you know, it'd be really cool if virtual racing for the 32x saved your fast times. Supposedly, remember, supposedly the Japanese yeah, version the Japanese. does, but and I had the Japanese version, but I never bothered to uh, to try it. So, yeah. but. Uh, and you know what? Actually, to sort of correct you a little bit, Chris, no offense or anything, uh, not yeah. not every game has it. There are some games that foregoed or forewent that option, like Flashback, for instance, does not have save functionality. Uh, it might have save in terms of like your audio and stuff like that, but it's still a password save game, unfortunately. <laughs> um, nice. But uh, on the other hand, uh, Pitfall the Mayan Adventure incorporated a save function, which I don't believe was in any other version, except maybe the IBM PC original. Uh, but even there, I'm not 100% sure. So, yeah. But saving your high scores is one of the greatest things about it. Like write-in, um, yeah. it saves your high scores. Um, a, lo a lot of games do. It's super burnout, and it's really crucial for those games as well. Dude, get this. Yeah. Even Zoop saves your high scores. <laughs> it is the only version of Zoop in existence that saves your high scores. Not even the PlayStation and Saturn versions saved your high scores, which didn't make any sense to me. No. So, I mean, the PC version probably saves them as well. But the JAG version, it's like the ultimate version to own because you can actually keep track of your scores, uh, which sort of, you know, gets you to want to play more and play better and beat your scores. So, it, it, like you said, Chris, it's a really nice, nice addition. And nobody ever talks about it. Nope. But it's, yeah, it, it's there, most games, and it's awesome. Yep. The next feature, I think, does get talked about sometimes, but it's really overlooked, and that's the soft reset on the controller. Oh, so yeah. So if you press the pound and the asterisk, hold those buttons at the same time, your JAG will do a soft reset. And again, that should be, Austin, every single game has that functionality. Uh, absolutely, yep. 
Um, I can't think of too many times when that comes in handy. I know a lot of people complain when an old system doesn't have a reset button, um, but the Jag, it's you right there on the controller. Do it Soft right reset. from the controller. It's not like the 3DO where you don't have a reset button and there is no soft reset for the most part. Um, <laughs> and you actually have to get up and turn the system off, wait, turn it back on um, for the majority of the games. But the Jag, you don't have to. If you die and raid in, you know, you're halfway through the first level, you lose two lives, and you're like, man, I could do so much better with this. Yeah. You yeah. just reset the game, takes you right back to the title screen. It even skips the, the splash screen altogether. It just takes you back to the beginning of the game, which is really nice. Um, I forgot what I was going to mention. Oh, the uh, going back to sort of the uh, the saving the audio settings, one of the great features that I don't know if a lot of people talk about either is the fact that you can change the audio, uh, I believe, in I think it's every single game. I think it was mandated by Atari yeah. that you had to be able to adjust uh, the sound. A lot of games allowed you to adjust uh, both the music and sound effects individually. So if you found the music being too loud or too quiet in some games, you could adjust them. And uh, yeah, really, really nice I actually option. Find that really handy when recording footage mm-hmm. because I can crank up the background music of the game, um, which is a lot more interesting to listen to when you're putting together a YouTube video. Just turn on down the sound effects, turn up the background music, and uh, you know it makes for a much easier thing to you know talk over. I agree. Um, this actually is kind of funny because. Probably a few times a year on the Atari Age forum, somebody will post the audio on my whatever game does not work. (laughs) And you've seen that a million times, I'm sure. And it's like you have to hit pause, you know, get the move the audio up. Somebody, the last person that owned it, turned it down. And then because most games save, it saved that setting. Yep, absolutely. But just the consistency of not having to dig in a menu for it, just being able to, on every game, hit pause, press A, B, or C to bring up the appropriate audio option, and then use the D-pad to move it. It's consistent. It's right there. You don't have to reset the game, go to the main menu, or anything like that. Just another really nice little touch that nobody really seems to talk about. Yep. Um, the next one would be reliability. Uh, it seems like the JAG, uh, doesn't really ever fail other than, uh, just making sure you keep dust out of the cartridge port. I, it doesn't really seem like these things die or break. No, there's, I've only seen a handful of instances, I think, where people have reported their system died. Um, but I've opened up my Jaguar before, um, to do actually the, the case mod, you know, getting the dental replacement white shell. And this, the board is actually, it's very thin. There's very few chips that like really protrude off, uh, you know, the top of the case. It's a very thin board in the inside, which I think really helps in terms of the reliability factor. You don't have all these tons of heat sinks oh. and stuff like that or no fans yeah. or anything like that. It's a very quiet system when it's running. And, um, yeah, it just seems like a really solid little system. And, uh, you know, the the main motherboard is very clean. It's It's just one level it's not you know you don't have multiple boards stacked on top of each other or anything like that it's not that complicated so uh definitely reliable piece of hardware from what i've seen um but like you mentioned keeping your cartridge slot clean is kind of important though because one thing that does happen somewhat regularly uh, in my experience is the dreaded red screen of death 
And it's yes. almost kind of similar to uh, like the NES, the blinking syndrome, but it's not nearly as bad. Sometimes you'll get some games that are just really troublesome, and I've noticed that it's just certain games sometimes. Like yeah. I remember cracking open a brand new copy of Iron Soldier and getting the red screen over and over and having to like fiddle with the cartridge, but it was like just that game, and all my other games were fine. Um, but aside from that, the system itself is quite reliable. I've had very few crashes, if any. And if I've got if I've gotten a crash, it's probably been due to like it's the game's, it's the fault. game's <laughs> fault. It's not the system's fault. So, um, yeah. Um, a lot of the games Atari, I assume, had to buy in bulk and was a little optimistic. So even to this day, there is still a lot of new old stock out there, and you can buy a lot of quality games for really really cheap. You know, $13, $14 for a sealed game with free shipping, um, which is really, really cool to me to be able to, you know, there's something about peeling the, you know, the cellophane or plastic, you know, shrink wrap off of a brand new, you know, vintage game and not have to feel guilty about it and also not have to pay $120 for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of my collection, I'd say probably over half my games were brand, bought brand new because there's still hundreds of cases, you know, in warehouses across America, you know, just selling them one at a time. Yeah, prices, uh, new in-box prices have definitely risen over the last uh, four years or so. So some of them aren't quite that cheap. There's definitely a couple that are. Like, I think Brutal Sports Football is still, like, a $15 game. And it's a really good game, too. It's really, really fun. Um, but a lot of them are going up in price a little bit. They might cost you 20 to $30, depending on the title. But still, for a brand-new sealed game, and if you're going to be paying a similar price for a used one, might as well go new, you know? So. It's just very, very easy to build up a decent collection yeah. for relatively cheap. You know, the the big problem with the Super Nintendo is it's really hard. You know, most games are cartridge only. And on the Jag, it's it's like the opposite. It, it's You have to try to not find one with a box. It <laughs> seems like it attracted a different buyer back in the 90s, and people s- save their boxes. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, Jag collecting is kind of interesting in that regard as well. It's kind of easy to find complete in-box copies. And one thing I've noticed is that usually the boxes are in pretty good shape, too. Um, They hold their form pretty well, which is nice, and they obviously fit nicely on uh, your shelf. Um, Actually, kind of funny comparison is I believe the Jaguar boxes are actually the exact same dimensions as the Super Nintendo boxes. Yep, Except they're displayed vertically instead of horizontally like Super Nintendo. So if you collect SNES and you want to collect Jaguar, where, well, your carts are going to mesh in perfectly together as long as they're complete, you know. Yep. So... And then lastly, there is a decent uh, Jaguar emulator, and there are a lot of free homebrew games, and there's also a lot of free games that you can burn to a disc and play on your Jag CD if you have one, Um, which I'm going to throw up in the pro column because, you know, homebrew and emulation is actually kind of cool. Yeah. No, there's actually a lot of great homebrew, and I'd definitely like to give a shout-out to the Reboot guys because they've uh, they definitely put out the most homebrew content, yeah. and a lot of their stuff has been really focused towards our tastes, uh, more retro, yeah. arcade-style games. And uh, I do have to say their new one coming up, Rebooteroids, is, is going to be amazing. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. So Good. 
So there are the pros and hopefully a lot of things that, you know, people don't really talk about because Atari did have some, you know, cool innovations that kind of just got, you know, left behind as people make fun of the number pad in some of the poor 3D games. Which it had plenty of. It did. (laughs) On to the cons. Um, And these are going to be not over the top cons, but like legitimate issues that the system has. Um, the first one is, um, and this probably goes for every system, but a lot of the best games are way too expensive. Um, and we'll kind of get into that as I talk about my top games, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that there's a few games that you really aren't going to be able to find for less than a hundred bucks. The other issue is uh, the CD add-on is both rare and expensive and uh, not very reliable. No, it's definitely not that reliable. And you know what I find kind of funny is that I've over the years I've seen a small, small handful of individuals say, no, it's reliable, it's rock solid. Yeah. And yet it's not. <laughs> right afterwards, like 15 people will chime in with like, yep, I'm on my third unit, or yep, I've yeah. replaced one twice, and I gave up on it, and it's just like, <laughs> no, it's th- not. It's not it's, it's yeah, bad. I personally uh, went through two, and they both had issues. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it's. Ex- I think they only made like 25,000 of them, um, and yeah, they're not reliable, so I don't even know how many actually exist in the hands of you know people that would use them. Yep. Um, but it is a nice way to play, you know, homebrew games, um, you know, with an actual system. So yeah, it, that kind of that part sucks, but there's not much you can do about it. Yeah, the CD add-on is just very expensive. I, I, like the reliability issues, you know, you can usually fix those if you have a little bit of know-how. Uh, like if I got one and it was broken, I would probably be able to fix it without too much problem, uh, too much trouble. Sorry, because of my experiences when I owned one in the past, but. You know, the the price of uh, entry is just so high on a Jag CD. I mean, if you want a nice, complete in-box one, you're looking at over $300. And considering the Jag CD only has like 15 legitimate games, half of which or more than half aren't even that good, uh, it's really hard justifying that cost. But uh, on the other hand, uh, the homebrew stuff is is great. Yeah, uh, I did not buy my new in-box uh, or complete in-box for 300 I actually don't remember exactly what I spent on mine. I want to say 150 uh, I'm not sure if that's right or not. Um, there was one for sale at my local shop, or actually two, and one of them is still there. And I knew they had both been sitting there for an, a year and a half, so... I kind of went like, you know, maybe we could go lower on this. So I, I paid less than what the sticker was, but I can't remember exactly what that amount was. I have not gotten, you know, $150 worth of use out of it, though. That's for sure. Yeah, I you, I guess you haven't really tried too many of the homebrews, have you? No, it's. Uh, I don't think there's a program on the Mac that is free that, um, you know, can burn Jag games. Um, like there is on the Windows side, so I haven't really been able to dabble in any of that. Gotcha. Um, maybe something you could try is uh, maybe if there's like some free VM software out there, maybe yeah, uh, dual boot into Windows or something like that, and use Image Burn, uh, which I think is the the recommended software. Which it's great. I use it for other retro platforms. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Jag CD it's it's a tough 
man, it's a tough sell unless you're going to homebrew with it. If you want to run homebrew, there's a lot of different games to choose from. And then you actually get your 150 to $200 worth uh, through yeah. the homebrew releases. And um, a lot of homebrews that come out are also released on physical discs, physical packaging. So if you're the kind of person that really has to have the real thing, uh, you can also, there's a scene for uh, brand new releases, which is pretty cool. And I believe some of Reboot's upcoming games are going to be on CD as well. Wait, no, no, scratch that. Never mind. False information. <laughs> some of their past games have been, but I forgot the newest release will not be, which was announced on Atari Age because of uh, memory limitations. It has to be on cartridge. Interesting. So, yeah, the Jag CD can actually only, which is kind of funny, it's on CD, but it, it doesn't have as much access, or I'm sorry, it can't access as much system RAM or something like that, that games running on cartridge can. So, which limits CD releases, uh, the potential of CD releases. So, Which kind of leads us into the next con, which is the really small community. Um, there, back in 2010, there used to be two really prominent groups, um, Jaguar Sector 2 and uh, Atari Age. Um, and those have slowly gotten smaller over the years. And then recently, uh, the Jaguar sector just shut down completely, effectively leaving just the Atari age uh, community, which is good because it is, it's a solid community. It's, it's well moderated. And, uh, you know, that's where me and Austin are. And then I think there's a few private groups as well, um, that aren't really relevant. Um, but generally speaking, there are not a lot of, you know, Jag fans to, to be quite honest with you. The community is pretty small. Yeah, definitely. The next con would be the AV cables. Um, the official composite video cables and S-video cables are ridiculously expensive. Um, there are no cheap Chinese you know, knockoffs that you can buy on eBay for $3. And uh, uh, it doesn't seem like that many were made. I know I think I spent $30 on my composite video cables brand new. And I know I spent more than that on the S video cables. Um, and it's just kind of prohibitive. Yeah. Um, the, there are some aftermarket options. Awesome, yeah, actually those are still around 20 bucks. Well, yeah, 20 bucks, but you know, technically they're quote unquote new. Um, I was actually searching eBay recently for Jag stuff just for grins. And I saw that, uh, there's a specific seller on eBay or maybe it's not eBay. Maybe it's Best Electronics that manufactured their own uh, set of cables. But they do. Whoever did it, they sell it for about twenty bucks, which is actually better than what they were selling for a year or two ago, where people were asking thirty to forty dollars for just a loose set of official Atari ones. So yeah, yeah. And if you buy an Atari Jaguar, the good chances are you're going to be stuck with the RF switch, which actually outputs horrific output uh you'll you'll see static you'll see like vertical lines ghosting yeah everything it, it's it's a horrible horrible rf output on the jag um i mean there's even some systems like the genesis that actually put out pretty decent rf yeah you can get by yeah you can get by but the jaguar whoo yeah you pretty much have to have a composite set of cables and uh but you'll probably be probably be stuck with that rf so you know, it's a twenty dollar investment for the aftermarket ones, but it's it's totally worth it. So, the S video cables though, those are kind of uh, I don't even think I've seen too many of those over the years. Uh, uh, I, I can't imagine think... Atari having sold too many of those back in the no. day. 
I think I probably paid somewhere between 35 and 45 for mine, and I couldn't even tell you when. It, it could have been 10 years ago for all I remember. I, I just don't remember. One perk to the Jaguar, um, though, and this is actually a pro, is I believe it actually outputs RGB out um, yes. stock. And so if you have an RGB setup, you can you know get the special cables for that. Or if you live in Europe, I believe like a SCART connection is like the standard cable over there. So you'll yeah. get absolutely beautiful uh, visuals. And the Jaguar has a very, very nice output Aside from the RF, like even with composite, the composite looks really the good. The composite looks probably like three or four times better than any other old retro composite mm. system I have, other than Somehow maybe the, the 3DO. Red doesn't bleed that bad. Yeah. It's, it's really remarkable. Yeah. Like you can actually go look at my uh, old YouTube videos of Jag stuff, and it's all recorded in composite, and it still looks better than the majority of my old school footage I've recorded, which is really saying something, especially after the, uh, you know, going through the uh, degradation process of being converted to a YouTube video. So, <laughs> all right. So there, hopefully, is a, a lot of information that nobody's ever talked about before. Um, you know, the, the little things that they got right or wrong that everyone just sort of seems to miss. Um, but that you would only get from real, true, hardcore JAG fans. <laughs> We're so hardcore. Ooh, no, I'm just kidding. You can reset it with the controller. Can I? Sorry, is God. People are probably like, can I reset this podcast with my controller? <laughs> New topic, please. I'll make a, I'll make an adapter for that. All right, on to the games, Austin. Now, I recently did a, a full write-up of, of my top five JAG games, so I'm not going to rehash mine uh, in any sort of depth at all, but um, I expect you will. Dude, how many people that what? listen to this show have actually read your article, though? Like three. Like three, Four. which means you should totally <laughs> talk about your top five again. But I can Alrighty. go first. Go first. Um, you know, I, I've played the majority of the of the Jaguar library, and, you know, this list I'm going to sort of spit out isn't necessarily my all-time favorites list, because as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I've played so many games, it's really hard to narrow down to a small group of favorites across any platform, unless it's like the Pippin or the CDI. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I have... Quite a few favorites in the Jag, but these are ones that sort of came to mind immediately when I was writing this list, and so I think that's probably a good representation of what my personal five favorite Jag games are. Uh, I'm going to do uh, from uh, worst to best, not really worst, but you know, number five the down to number best one. Game the fifth game on the Atari Jag. Fifth best game to me, and this is one that you kind of hate a lot. Um, and we've talked about this one a lot, so we won't talk <laughs> about it too much. Uh, but it is Zul Two which is a side-scrolling action platformer. Uh, it's fairly fast-paced, um, and it's just, I, I like it a lot. It's, uh, Zul 2 is, uh, it's got some cool graphics, it's got some really kicking music at parts yeah, of the game. the music is exceptional. I, I think it's got some of the best music on the Jaguar, at least in terms of the... the composition. In terms of the composition, the sample quality. Yeah. Um, it just really gets me into the game when I play the game, especially like the first level theme and the third level theme. Uh, it's just got a very like heavy bass kicks and like really nice snare stones and stuff like that, which you didn't get from a lot of Jaguar games. A lot of Jaguar games, 
sounded kind of crappy because you could tell some of the products were rushed. But games like Zul 2, Tempest 2000, um, what else was there that sounded great? Uh, <laughs> maybe Defender 2000. Uh, sounded really nice, though, and really proved that... Ooh, Super Burnout, that's one. Really showed that the Jag could get some really nice sound. Um, Zul 2, for me, though, is uh, it's fun. It's unique with how the gameplay uh, is set up. It's sort of like your straightforward platformer where you got to get to the end of the stage, but you also have to collect all these little icons along the way. And if you don't collect enough icons, uh, you have to, well, backtrack through the stage and get enough to actually be able to finish the level. And that sort of invokes this sort of element of strategy, in my opinion, at least in terms of how I play. Not only am I trying to survive the enemies, but I'm also trying to maximize all this stuff I'm grabbing so I can actually finish the level when I get to the end. Well, it also encourages, um, and over the years, Zultu has slowly grown on me in, you know, the fact that I've played it for 50 plus hours now. Um, but it, it, that aspect of having to collect X amount of things, um, and makes you have to explore the level further. Um, which is actually something I think is really, really cool. Um, in a Mario game or a Sonic game, you can, you know, search for secrets, but it's not required. And a lot of times there's not even really a big payoff for it. But in Zool 2, if you do fully explore the level, you, you'll find easier ways to make it through the end of the level, you know, by being adventurous and, you know, trying to jump somewhere or, you know, shooting at, you know, something that makes a platform appear and things like that. So that is actually something I really like about the level design um, is that whole collection bit. It sort of forces you to explore the level. Has Zool 2 grown on you more than Musha has? Uh, well, Musha is a much better game. Zool 2, if you buy a Jag, you should probably buy Zool 2 because it is one of the better games on the system. It's not very expensive, and it is probably the best cartridge version of the game. And it's probably the only cartridge version of the game. <laughs> oh, was uh, Zool was on the other two, wasn't it? Yeah, Zool Two, Zool 2 was an Amiga thing. Zool Two okay. is the sequel to the original Zool, which was, from what I can tell, a semi-popular game on platforms like the Super Nintendo, the Genesis, and I want to say Zool, the original, uh, originated on uh, like the Amiga, possibly the Atari ST. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, so don't shoot me. Um, but uh, Zul 2 was also an Amiga-based release. It was also released in the Amiga CD32. Yep. And it also had a PC release, but the PC version was really limited, um, which was kind of sad. Uh, Aside from some fancy intro animation that is much more fleshed out in the computer version, uh, the JAG version is actually probably the best version that you can play, um, which is cool, you know. So, uh, yeah, Zul 2, um, it's, it's kind of tough to describe. It's not quite exactly like your Sonic the Hedgehogs and your Marios. No. It can be fast-paced like Sonic, um, but it also requires a very methodical play style in order to succeed because there's enemies coming at you from all sides, especially later on in the game. Um, the way hit detection works can be a little confusing unless you actually know how it works. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's really, really tough as well. Um, but uh, so your chances uh, of completing it are actually kind of, well, slim unless you practice it a lot. But that's actually kind of what I like about it because I have beaten it and I've beaten it quite a few times. And 
for the longest time, Zoltu was this game that I thought I would never complete. And then a, a few years back, I just... Hey, I know that feeling. Yeah, a few years back, <laughs> I, I did it. And I was like, and that made me like the game even more because I knew then that, well, not only was a lot of the stuff early on in the game great, like the music and level design and stuff, but it's beatable. And that just makes the game so much better when you know that you're not just playing out of futility, you know. Um, and uh, so, yeah, when I get a Jag again, Zul 2 will, will be one of the first games I pick up again. It's one of the first games I've always picked up whenever I've owned a Jag, and it'll probably always be one of those games I always go back to on the Jag. Even if I don't run all the way through it, just playing this first few stages especially is a lot of fun in my opinion. So, Number four. Number four. I guess you're not going, huh? Well, I guess I'll go. Um, I was just going to go after you. You're going to go after me? That's not so there's not, like, you know, cross-contamination. <sighs> I see how it is. Well, okay, I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my reset button for this podcast? Uh, uh, you have to n- press the asterisk and the pound key. <laughs> it's not working. Eight and three. It's not working. Uh, my number four title is Raiden, or as it's properly pronounced, Raiden. Raiden. And uh, Raiden is... Uh, one of my absolute favorite shoot 'em ups of all time. It was an arcade game from 1990. Extremely popular shoot 'em up, by the way, in the arcades back then. Probably one of the most popular shoot 'em ups in the arcades since the 90s, um, which kind of makes sense since shoot 'em ups kind of went downhill in popularity as the 90s went on. Maybe our but, type would be something that could compare, but it's yeah. it's on that level. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. It's an elite 90s It's shooter. an uh, absolute elite. It, it, Raiden kind of, in my opinion, set the gold standard for a little while of what shoot 'em ups should be. Uh, and luckily, we got a pretty solid conversion on the Atari Jaguar. It was, uh, in my opinion, a lot better than the Super Nintendo version and a lot better oh, yes. than <laughs> the Sega Genesis, Genesis version. And let me say it was way, way, way better than the Super Nintendo version. Let me just... It was just... It was better than the Genesis version, but it was, like, way better than the Super Nintendo one. That's how bad the Super Nintendo one was, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, Raiden, you know, it's one of my favorite arcade shooters of all time, but the Jag version has something something kind of special going on with it. It's They altered some of the music uh, in terms of composition. All the original arcade music tracks are there, but they're sort of rearranged in certain ways. Uh, with like different samples and stuff like that, and they sound good. Uh, but there's also new musical tracks that have been added to the game, and they actually fit the game perfectly, which is probably one of the only times I could really say that for an arcade port where extra music was added in. Like the new music for Jack Raiden fits Raiden perfectly. I don't know how they did it, but they did, and that goes a long ways for me. Uh, two, they all the visuals have been sort of touched up. They almost look like they they have more colors to them and so forth. Yeah. So the Jag rating is actually more colorful than the arcade version is. Um, think of it as like an Amiga style game in terms of like all the bright colors and shades and stuff like that. Um, um, and the game is just it's a lot of fun to play. It plays a little bit differently than, than the arcade in terms of how like uh, your fire button is. Uh, how it responds and how your projectiles come out and whatever. But once you get used to that, it's a really fun it's a real version. nice flow to it. Yeah. Like you get into that rhythm, mm-hmm. that, that Zen state. Absolutely. So it also has a 
great two-player mode. Yeah. I don't know how... I'm a little unfamiliar how common that is on old games, Austin, because there's nobody in this house that likes those games. Um, For shame. But but I had a friend over when I did uh, my video review of this game, and uh, we played through it. God, it must have been four hours straight just two-player riding in some beer and it was a freaking awesome time <laughs> well the beer helps <laughs> <laughs> but so i have actually beaten this one um thanks to the help of you know the uh, two-player ability um but i this was one of those games that really got me into the genre as a whole and the the jag version it shouldn't exist it came out three years after the game came out in arcades so it's a silly launch title but it's better for it. It's a it's a really special game for the Jag. Well, when you look at it, the PlayStation had the Writing Project, which was '95. Yeah. So, but God, that was an amazing game. Which yeah, I bought another copy of that recently. <laughs> <laughs> I will someday. I will own it, you but should. for now, uh, I've got my Jag version. So yeah, Raiden is uh, definitely one of my favorite Jag games. One of my favorite shoot-em-ups from that time period. And I'm not just talking Raiden in general, but the Jag version of Raiden specifically is one of my favorite shoot-em-ups from uh, the early 1990s. Um, it, I mean, it's it really outdoes a lot of the shoot-em-ups you found on like the Super Nintendo and Genesis just because it was a more faithful conversion of arcade Raiden, much better than the 16-bit consoles got. And uh, it also had a lot of extra goodies and stuff, um, you know, like the new music, and the you know, the sort of remixed graphics uh, at certain parts of the game, and uh, sort of the the retuned difficulty, uh, which definitely gives it sort of a unique feel compared to all the other home conversions. And I, like we mentioned earlier, it also saves your high scores, which is a huge plus. It even tells you what level and what loop you died at, and so forth, and really gives you something to strive for when you trying to play better like man can i beat my old high score of course for me that would involve like playing for an hour and a half but for the (laughs) average person i think that's a really good incentive to keep playing the game and try to get better and learn how the game works so that is my number four pick Uh, number three pick and this is something that is pretty much on just about everybody's uh you know top five list for the atari jaguar and this is tempest 2000 and Tempest 2000 is one of the earliest games of its kind. It was a retro remake of a yep. classic early 80s arcade game. And by retro remake, I don't re- I don't mean just like a port of the old game on a modern system at the time, but like brand new graphics, brand new uh, gameplay system, or I'm sorry, modified gameplay system such as power-ups, uh, your your character at the top of this web can jump and stuff like that. You've got bonus stages and warp zones and blah, blah, blah. Uh, kick-ass uh, early 90s electronic music soundtrack. And uh, the game is just, aside from some frame rate issues, it's pretty much just perfect in my opinion. Um, it is... It is the most polished J game there is. I, I agree. Um, from presentation to graphics to controls to sound, it is... It's unbelievable. Jeff Minter, you know, <laughs> he was in the zone when he made the game for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Um, the game is, uh, aside from <laughs> level 63 or 64 or whatever, it's a very balanced game as well. Once you really figure out how the game works and knowing that things like the particle laser really cuts through enemies faster than uh, your standard shot does and, and knowing to use your jump power up as much as you can, um, 
to control the flow of the game and uh, combat all the different enemy patterns. Uh, it's it's one of those games that is very fair, even though it can get very chaotic. And it's another one of those games where you you know you mentioned it in write in, but you really get into like a zen like state in Tempest yeah. 2000. And um, it is it's just a great game. It's so hard to describe if you've never played Tempest before. But just yeah. go look up Tempest 2000 on YouTube or go look up uh, some of Jeff Mentor's other tube shooters. Um, but Tempest 2000 was really the start of his retro Tempest remakes. And he would later go on to do Tempest 3000 on the Nuon. He would do Space Draft on the Xbox 360. And then most recently, he would do uh, TXK for the PS Vita, which was essentially... Uh, going back and being true to form to Tempest 2000 in terms of how the gameplay felt uh, and how the visuals were and stuff like that. Um, so Tempest 2000, definitely a must-buy and one of my favorites. Uh, number two, and this sort of goes back to my PC upbringing, and so does my number one pick. Um, so if any of you guys want to predict what my number one is. Uh, but number two <laughs> is Wolfenstein 3D. Now... When I was gaming through the mid-90s and, and on and past the mid-90s, you know, the PC was one of the, the biggest platforms I gamed on or most frequently gamed on. And part of that was because of id Software's lineup of games. That included Wolfenstein 3D, Doom, and Quake. Uh, I pretty much lived off those games for a very long time. Cause, and I still love going back to play them. I, I play each of those games at least once a year. Uh, or sometimes I'll just go back a couple times in year and play through an episode of Wolf 3D on the PC. The JAG version is a really, really good version of Wolfenstein 3D. It was done in-house by id Software. They revamped all the visuals. I want to say the graphics and sprites. I want to say they run at a higher resolution than your average JAG game. Uh, everything was redrawn. Or the average Wolf game. There's yeah. something to it. Yeah. Higher resolution, more colors. It's... Yep. A superior experience. It is. Um, well, to a degree. There's so like the the voices from the enemies aren't really that good in the Jag version. Uh, the game doesn't run quite as smoothly as the PC original running on good hardware. You know, it doesn't run at 60 frames a second, but it's a solid 20 to 30 frames a second the whole time. And um, it's got extra weapons that were originally only available in like I want to say the Super Nintendo and the Mac versions. Um, actually, the Mac version came after the JAG version, now that I think about it, so ignore that. Um, but id Software did add certain weapons into the Super Nintendo version, like I believe the Flamethrower and the Rocket Launcher, and those were included in the JAG version, which is really cool. Uh, both of those weapons just, like, slice through enemies like butter, which is kind of funny, because, like, you'll shoot out one flame blast, and it'll like, just go all the way across the screen and cut through anything it touches, which doesn't really make any sense, but it's great. Um... <laughs> I have actually never, um, Austin, I don't believe I've ever played a, a Wolfenstein 3D game. Ah, oh, man, dude, Chris. Which, yeah. Where's my, where's my podcast reset button? 8-3. <laughs> um, no, I, I've, I remember reading about it uh, a long, long, long time ago, like in Nintendo Power for the Super Nintendo, and I think that's the first time I'd ever heard of it, not being a PC gamer. And then uh, I, I will... Wolfenstein 3D on the Jag will probably be the first time I play Wolfenstein 3D. You should totally buy that game. I will try. <laughs> Just <laughs> not now. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, Wolfenstein 3D, I mean, it's just, if you like the PC version of the game, you're going to like the Jaguar version because of the additions. Uh, you can also save your progress at the beginning of each stage, which is great. It's got multiple difficulty modes, and the hardest difficulty mode in the Jag version, funny enough, is actually harder than the hardest setting on the PC version. Enemies just move absurdly fast and kind of unrealistically so, but uh, uh, the game is just, it's really nice. So, and that sort of leads me into my number one pick for the Jag, um, which maybe I should reverse this with Tempest 2000, but, you know, this, again, mm. this is what I felt when I put this list together off the top of my head. But number one is Doom. And yes. Doom is, uh, it's one of my f absolute favorite games of all time, period. Not the Jaguar version necessarily, but the PC version is one of my most played games of all time. And the Jag version is actually a pretty solid port. Again, like Wolfenstein 3D, it was done in-house by id Software. And I have to say, before I go on, uh, you know, further, is that id Software was probably Atari's biggest asset at the time. And, uh... Uh, aside from uh, Rebellion, which gave us Alien vs. Predator, which I know you don't care for that much, but uh, um, is all, was also really popular in the system. Uh, I mean, id Software really cranked out these two really, really high-quality releases for the Jaguar and really showed people that the Jaguar could be like a really high-quality gaming platform, even in the face of like the PlayStation and the Saturn. These were two really high-quality releases and really good ports. But anyway, Doom... For the Jag, you know, it's a little stripped down compared to the PC version. There's less textures um, and stuff like that. There's less levels. Unfortunately, there's no music during gameplay, which I believe was just a, a technical issue they weren't able to get over before the game had to be published. Um, but aside from that, the game plays really well. It runs at a really solid frame rate. Uh, it's pretty much full screen like, you know, the PC version is. Uh, pretty much every other version of Doom on a console besides PlayStation was not full screen. Um, Saturn was full screen, I think, but it was so choppy. You, you wished the screen was smaller. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's got this really nice, like, dark shading to it that you don't really find in other versions. Um, so it's, yeah, it's got like pseudo lighting effects of sort. Uh, well, Doom, every version of Doom had that, but I'm more more so talking about just, like, the shading added on to the, the characters and the sprites and stuff like that. Um, the lighting effects actually in the game weren't as pronounced as the PC original or, uh, or like, the PlayStation version or something like well, that. Well, if you grew up on the 32X version, <laughs> it's pretty spectacular. <laughs> well, the 32X version is actually uh, pretty much the same in that regard because... Uh, I mean, uh, as the when things are farther away, they get darker. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what to call that. Well, I, I didn't mean that, but I just meant... But, yeah, that definitely helps as well. That's really cool uh, and, yeah. and something, you know, that I the Super Nintendo in uh, 32X versions just couldn't do. Yeah. Well, the Super Nintendo version did get darker in the distance, but it was just that version was so muddy to begin with, it just looked like one big blur. <laughs> <laughs> the Jag version, on the other hand, it's a really solid-looking game. All the colors, the colors that are there really pop out, and it just, I don't know, it's very appealing to me. Uh, one of the cons is that there's no left-right strafing, or I'm sorry, there's no yeah. there's no individual left-right strafing. You have a strafe button where you can hold it down and just go left and then right, but you can't circle strafe without you know, doing some finagling and 
yeah. uh, you know, getting creative, essentially. But uh, that aside, the game is an excellent port of Doom. It's got something like 24 levels or something like that, which is uh, a good chunk more than the 32X version, which uh, it was 17. actually based on. Uh, both the 32X and the JAG versions were actually, I, I believe, based off the same uh, code by its software. Yeah. So, and... Uh, there's actually certain funny funny uh, stories that there are certain parts in the game where you can like shoot a rocket at a wall, and in the 32x version, an enemy will just you'll hear an enemy die behind the wall, and it, the exact same spots, the same thing happens in the Jaguar version, um, which sort of reiterates that fact. You know, they're based on the same code. So, uh, but yeah, that is probably my favorite Jag game. That alongside Tempest 2000, and. Uh, on to you, Chris. Let's get the ball rolling. All right. Uh, I'll start with number five favorite game, um, Raiden. Um, you know, a game that got me into the genre, a great two-player game, and uh, just overall a really solid Jag game. And I'd probably recommend grabbing that sooner rather than later as the price slowly creeps up as time goes by. Yep. Uh, number four, controversially, uh, this is not usually on people's list, but uh, I maintain it is one of the best games you can buy for the Jag, and that would be Atari Carts. <laughs> Atari Carts. <laughs> Which uh, Austin actually borrowed from me and then promptly was like, what are you on? This game is mediocre. <laughs> As a, as a driving game, not as a, a kart combat game, but as a racing game, I actually think Atari Carts is, is quite good. Um, I like the track design. I like the items and the way they work with the tracks, the speed ups, the the frictionless tires, and things like that. Um, and it's it's really my kind of game. You know, it, it's fun to make hot laps. I had a, a lot of fun playing this game, Austin, during the old Atari high score challenges, um, and even did a video of you know uh, going ridiculously fast through one of the uh, map sets. Uh, music is pretty yeah the music the quality is good the the composition not so good they're just bizarre yeah it's it's strange but uh (laughs) i i it's very 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 fun and there's a a quality level here that is lacking you know on a lot of jag games i uh you know what as far as atari carts i i totally agree with you and i actually recently posted this on an atari h thread about atari carts and you know, I think it's a solid racing game. If you can go into it looking at it as a racing game, I think you will enjoy this game. I think a lot of people's if you're problems for Mario Kart. Yeah, get about if it. If you're looking for Mario Kart, go play Mario Kart because yeah. <laughs> uh, for one, you don't have <laughs> you don't it. have weapons in Atari cars. There's no battle mode. There isn't even a time trial mode in the game. But uh, when you just want to sit down, race against the CPU and go through the stages uh again the track design isn't that bad some of the power-ups like the speed up boost are solid again there are no offensive power-ups in this game it's just all speed boost uh you know the the turning or frictionless steering sorry and uh stuff like that but um yeah i mean if you go into it not looking for Mario Kart, you will probably like this game. It's, it's definitely a... I think now, as time has moved on, I've definitely grown to it more than, well, <laughs> how I viewed it it's four not years a, yeah, ago. It's a poor Mario Kart clone. Yeah. It's a good racing game. Yeah. And a good J game. <laughs> it's unfortunately th- one of the more expensive ones. So yeah. I think it's a little difficult to justify the cost of entry based on the options. Like... 
if it had a time trial mode and just saved your scores, I think it would be pretty awesome to recommend because like especially racing games, I love to sit in time trial mode and just see how fast yeah, I can get around the tracks, too. perfect each turn. <laughs> Atari Cars doesn't have that. I mean, it has times, but you have to play in the, the in, you have to play through the campaign mode essentially with CPU opponents and stuff like that and yeah. Kind of puts a damper in uh, perfecting your track times. But uh, I got really lucky with this game. I think I paid $30 for it with the manual. And then obviously uh, I just bought the box off of that company that has, you know, all those brand new yeah. card stocks. So now you technically so, have a complete copy. Yeah, complete Very box cool. manual, brand new box, and then a cartridge and a manual. So I, I got really, really lucky with mine. It was an auction back when people actually did auctions on eBay. And, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to get a, a, a complete in-box copy now, you're probably going to be looking at 80 to to $100 for Atari carts, which, yeah... If you can get a cartridge only, I could probably recommend it. So, but uh, number three, Chris, I also picked Tempest Two Thousand. Um, now, this probably isn't even my fifth favorite game on the Jag, but I do feel it is one of the best games on the Jaguar. Um, it's not my kind of game. It's a little too fast-paced and chaotic, um, and I it, my brain just doesn't respond that well to it. But. <laughs> It is fun to play, uh, even though I'm terrible at it. And uh, just the game is—it's unlike anything else, like that you can buy in the '90s, more or less. The the voice samples and things are are so over the top, and and the quality is so good when you're used to, you know, you go from playing, you know, NBA Jam where everything's all muffled, to these crisp, perfect voice samples and. Music that sounds like it's from a CD, like it's the quality is amazing, yep. and it's just really, really fun to listen to, and it fits the fast pace of the game. Um, there's so many sprites and particles on the screen at once; it, it's really sensory overload. I I can't praise it enough of just how overwhelming this is as a game, and it really seems to do a decent job of of showing off what the Jag could have been. Now, I don't even think this game scratches the surface at what a Jag could be. I think it relied mostly on the Motorola 68000 processor. Which is kind of the ironic part about it, you know, because people are, you know, there's a lot of people in the community that are like, oh, you've got to use everything else to get the max out of this system. And And you don't. (laughs) If he just pretty much used the 68000 for that... I'm sure he probably used some of the other chips in the system. But, well, obviously, yeah, the know. DSP for the amazing sound. and But, yeah, I mean, he didn't... Yeah, you're exactly right. You don't have to, you know, push the JAG to the limits and use all of its 30 million processors, blah, 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 to, to make <laughs> a breathtaking game. And Tempest 2000 is the perfect example of that. Yeah, so. absolutely fantastic. Can't recommend it enough. It's cheap, too, so there's no reason Relatively not to get speaking, it if you you're probably Jag. looking at 15 to $20 for cartridge only, which is no. totally fine. But if you want a complete in-box, you're probably looking at a little over $30. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. So, But it's totally, totally worth it. One of the best games in the system. And to be honest, yeah. Tempest 2000 is uh, one of my favorite games of all time. It's one of the few games where I can pick it up and play it and just get giddy about it once I start playing. <laughs> In my old jaded age, it's one of the few games where I, I can still be like that when I uh, play a game. So it brings it re- a smile to your it face. It does. It absolutely does. <laughs> it, it's an excellent game. So number two, Chris. 
Rayman, which is another expensive game. Um, but this, it blows my... Uh, I think in France, Atari must have been... They must have just been... Did really well in France. I don't know. I don't know why this French developer and publisher wasted any of their efforts releasing this game on the JAG. Um, it came out first on the JAG. Uh, it should have been about a week before the PlayStation 1 launch, and it was also on the PlayStation 1 and the Sega Saturn. Um, and I believe, Austin, the first Rayman is the only 2D Rayman. After that, it's all 3D. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Mm. I mean, on the PC, they had some like add-on packs and stuff like that. Okay. But yeah, Rayman 2, which came out uh, at the end of the 90s, was actually a uh, 3D platformer. So, but Rayman the original to me is like the second coming of platformers. Like it went beyond what Sonic and Mario were in the 16-bit generation and kind of ushered in this new this is what a 2D game could be. And and Rayman is is absolutely an amazing game. Uh, again, like all of the titles we've talked about on the the favorite list or the top list, um it's beautiful. There's no slowdown. Um visually it's obvious that it could not have been done on one of the older systems uh the music is really kind of um i don't not magical that's not the word i want whimsical i think is the word i'm looking for uh it just really sets the atmosphere for you know this funky little rayman guy to you know go about and you know do his platforming um i actually really really enjoy the game um like zool 2 it's incredibly difficult um, you'll want to go and on GameFAQs or look up the cheat uh, to get more lives because um, you're going to need them. You'll die a lot. Um, but this game really held my attention for a, a long, long time. And it, it it's just a really solid, quality, good platformer that just happens to also have been released on the Jaguar. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, speaking of Ubisoft, I think they were still like a small, fledgling company back then. I don't think they were... They definitely were not the powerhouse that they are now. Yeah. I mean, they're like <laughs> one of the, the biggest beginning. companies. They're one of the biggest third-party publishers out there right now. Back then, though, I mean, it was Rayman. What else was there from Ubisoft? Like, Rayman. <laughs> it could have been nothing for all I know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean, so, yeah. I wonder if, I really wonder if, like, Atari came to them and saw their game and was like, hey, you know, we could use this on our system. Or if Ubisoft was just like, hey, we'll... Uh, we want to make this for the Jack, you know. Uh, maybe they were because <laughs> mm-hmm. Atari apparently was really bad with developers back then. I doubt they were. Well, no, they were probably trying to woo some people in because if you look yeah. at there, you could you could find documents online showing official Atari paperwork with projects in progress and like so, like they had Mortal Kombat three being worked on, all this stuff like that could have been AAA games. So obviously, I think they were reaching out to developers and trying to woo people in, but uh, they didn't have the huge pockets of like Nintendo and Sega, uh, and or the user base, or the user base to uh, really make it work. So, but uh, what is your numero uno? My numero uno is of course Super Burnout yeah, on the Atari it. Jaguar. I knew it. It has to be. It has to be. It's one of my. And you know what, this Chris? Is like, you know what? I don't blame you either. Because <laughs> Super Burnout is in a freaking amazing racing game. It truly is. This is another... 
you know, hopefully if you get anything out of the last hour is that the, the Jaguar is actually a, a really cool system with really great games and Super Burnout isn't exclusive. It is uh, obviously inspired by Sega's um, Hang On um, in just style, presentation, and speed. Um, but it also has its own feel and flavor. It's a, it's a circuit-based racing game. Basically, you pick a bike, uh, varying you know speed, acceleration, and grip, and uh, you're making a compromise and going through a championship. And uh, to me, what I love about this game so much is, is just how deep it is. Um, there's a lot more to the controls than just gas brake and, um, you know, turn. There's some, there's some real thought, um, and, and to win, uh, the championship and to, to be able to put up, you know, some elite level, uh, high scores, you really have to have a firm grasp of, of how the game works. And this is one of the few games that I've actually wanted to reach that level, not just be good at the game or, you know, be able to beat it without thinking about it, but to truly be like one of the best in the world. I, this game just has captivated my attention for over a decade now. Um, and not only that, the soundtrack is superb. Uh, the graphics are 60 frames a second without ever slowing down. And this game throws a, a sick amount of polygons, scaled, I'm sorry, sprites, and scaled sprites at <laughs> Scaled sprites, not polygons. Um, on the screen. So a, a tree starts out small. Where's my you know, podcast reset button? A <laughs> uh, tree starts out small in the background and then gets giant yep. as you drive by it. And there's a smoothness there that you just doesn't exist on any other game, you know, from 1995 or 6. It, it's just an absolutely amazing game easily my favorite 3d ra- or 2d racing game of all time it's not even close it's just in a <laughs> league of its own and uh, in my opinion is the uh, the reason to own an atari jaguar just an outstanding 2d racing game now keep in mind super burnout it's going to require some practice like chris said you can't just speed through every corner and that's actually an element that sort of threw me off when i first played the game i kept crashing around corners but once I started figuring out when to break and when to let go of the gas a little bit and stuff like that, and I started just breezing through each turn with no problems mm-hmm. whatsoever uh, and getting up to speed as fast as I, as, as I could, it was just... It's hard to describe. It's just a very, gets, very it's good like experience. It's like zen-like thing again. Yeah, it's, exactly. You really get in that zone. Especially once you, you've got the hills going and your bike's going up and down. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it goes so fast. Yeah. And- especially when you unlock the Punisher bike. So um, with that, Chris, I have to admit, those are some good picks. Um, But uh, do you want to kick off your five least favorite games in the system? Or or in what what your opinion is, (laughs) the five worst games on the Atari Jaguar. All right. This list, I'm going to have a big asterisk on it, as in I have not played all 60 or 70 whatever Jag games there are. I've got my 18 or 19 that I own, and that's all that I have. Um, So my we'll go from uh, least worst to worst worst. So... Uh, first, I have the popular Alien vs. Predator uh, first-person shooter. Ooh, I have this to hear game this. This was well-received and well-liked uh, back in the 90s, but I, I feel today, as of 2014, it's an awful game. I think the level design uh, is a joke. I, I don't think there is any level design. It, it's just confusing corridors that are not any fun to explore. 
Um, I get that it's not doom and you're not zooming around quickly and, you know, mowing things down, but it's difficult. Everything I think spawns randomly Austin. So ammo is not going to be in the same spot. Enemies aren't going to be in the same spot. And for me, it's just a slow crawl through a maze trying to, you know, not die. And to me, it's not a good horror game. It's not a good first person shooter. The frame rate is not very good. And I have zero fun when I play it. Um, and I just don't think it's a, a, I don't think it's a good game at all. To each their own. I don't. I honestly don't think it's. On the flip side, yeah, people just, love it. Yeah, people absolutely love Alien versus Predator, and I think you really have to be in a certain frame of mind when you go into it. Uh, a lot of people that don't like it, like Chris said, they go into it thinking it's Doom, which it's not. Uh, Alien versus Predator is more strategy than it is action, uh, believe it or not, and you can't really see that just through screenshots or basic gameplay. You need to play it yourself and. Uh, you got to go to these computer terminals and read through them and get maps and stuff like that. You've got to get key access cards to get through certain doors. Uh, it's basically just one big sort of open, uh, sort of nonlinear uh, map you're in. There's no levels, so to say. It's not like you're going from point A to point B like in Doom and then going on to the next level that's point A from point or point A to point B. Alien vs. Predator, it's a different kind of first-person shooter experience. And, uh, and the experience you get is also dependent on the character you play as. For instance, the alien is really fast. And the alien has a cool gimmick where you can, uh, you know, basically cocoon your enemies, which are basically marines. And then if you die, as long as the cocoon's ready, you'll just spawn out of the cocoon you set earlier on in the game. And you can do that infinitely, which is really cool. Um, the Predator's got his cloaking and stuff like that. So, I mean, if you're really a big fan of, like, Alien or the Predator, um, you probably want to give the game a try. But, it, like Chris said, it is, it's a little sluggish, or really sluggish. It's, um, it's confusing. You get lost easily. It really requires you to map out the game, which I don't have the patience for. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is a game that a lot of people really, really like on the Jaguar, and they say it's one of the best games in the system. So even though Chris says it's one of the worst and his least favorite, I'd actually say it's probably one of my least favorite Fifth as well. least favorite. It's probably one of my <laughs> least favorite as well. I mean, just because I have such a hard time getting into it and have little patience yeah. for it. Um, so, But I, I think it's a high-quality game besides from the frame rate, though. So I do still recommend people try it out. Um, definitely try now uh, it is a... your next least favorite i'm uh i'm a little curious to hear this one because this one i just don't this get maybe i do a little the... bit this kind of goes along with the jag as a whole <clears throat> which is atari tried really really hard <clears throat> to get 3d games on the system to prove it was next gen and everything and to me, most of those games are not the good games on the system, and the 2D games that we just talked about uh, are, are a lot better, but Iron Soldier, one of the very first games I played for the system, and every time I attempt to play it again, I am just bored. This is a mech game, uh, fully 3D, um, actually f decent 3D as well, a little bit of texture mapping, or maybe it's just all flat-shaded polygons, I'm, I'm not quite clear. I think it's, clear. it's all flat-shaded except for like your tanks and your helicopters, yeah. and pretty much everything else is just flat. Mm. Some, have, uh, some of the polygons have garage shading on them, like the arms yeah. of certain mechs or something like that, or the, the tower. That's right, yeah. that's right. 
Um, I, I, again, to me, Austin, it's not the quality. There's probably a lot of quality here. Uh, I just, I, I get very, it's just not fun. I find it very boring. See, I was actually the exact opposite. I was actually tempted to put Iron Soldier on my top five list. Which most people do as well. This is one of the most beloved, uh, games on the system for sure. And to me, Iron Soldier, it, it, it's got a really good interface when you kick up the game. You know, it's got a good intro theme. It's got a cool mission select theme. And uh, it's got a cool mission select screen and stuff like that. It's got a decent weapon select screen. And the gameplay, though, I could definitely see where it's sort of an acquired taste. It's a mission-oriented, mech-based game. Um that's really tough to explain. I highly recommend going to check out some videos of the game, but it runs at a really nice frame rate, which is a lot more than can be said for most Jag games, yeah. most 3D Absolutely. Jag games. Um, and once you really know what you're doing, it's a really solid experience. And even if, if you don't know what you're doing, just like busting out your fist and like knocking down huge buildings yeah. is always fun. <laughs> like watching them explode into like little blocks early 1990s blocks is uh one thing really the game good. does do well is give you that sense of scale like you really do feel like a giant mech you know cruising yep. through a city mm-hmm. absolutely um so this is more of a product of me not owning a lot of the turds on the jag and more of a product of you know out of the 20 games i own this is the bottom 25 percent yeah. for me and and you're basically formulating your list based on what you own for the most part and me i'm just yes. basing it off of what i've played and um i've actually owned just about every jaguar game on the system um and so i've actually played almost every game of the system i played them a lot you know i there wasn't really one game that i owned in the jag that i just never really even tried you know so and pretty much all these games i've listed i have sunk in a lot of time into um and so the ones i don't like well at least i've played them a lot (laughs) yeah so um so what's your uh your number three chris i think we actually sort of uh share some similar thoughts on this one yeah runer pinball which is actually kind of ironic because this is the game that got me into digital pinball or pinball as a whole. That is ironic. Um, there are two tables on the game. Uh, one of them is awful, and then one of them is actually kind of cool uh, for, you know, if you're looking at a non-physics-based pinball game. Um, but it's really not a very good game. The music isn't very good. The tables aren't very good. The flipper physics uh, are terrible. Are not yeah, you can't really make any, you can't really aim any shots or anything like that. Um, it's interesting enough, and if you've never played a digital pinball game, um, this actually might be a good place to start, just because it is so not realistic. You're not, you're not limited, or you know, the tables don't have any limitations because it can pretty much do whatever it wants. Very dirt cheap game for the system as well, but it's just not a very Honestly, it's just not a very good game. Yeah. Oh, um, and it freezes uh, when you go for high scores. Eventually, the game will freeze and crash, which is that has lovely as well. happened too, <laughs> and that has really sucked. And uh, yeah, I think we've both had that happen, and that yep. is very disappointing. But uh, you know, I like the table design in this game, but the problem for me, and the part that really kills it, especially now that I play a crap ton of yeah. real pinball is the flipper physics are pretty much non-existent. You have these flippers that are way too long, 
and they're either pretty much up or down. It's it's one of those pinball games where there's no in between on the flippers, and when the ball comes off the flipper, it doesn't go it's where you natural. want it to. It's no. in trying to make the same shots over and over is like an effort in futility. It's just one other thing that makes yeah. it actually harder is that the flippers aren't even perfectly flat, so the ball will roll down and like hop off these little ridges in the flipper. Ah, uh, yes. Which yep. at least it gets that part of the <laughs> physics right. But it, it just makes controlling the flow of the game, which is arguably the most important factor in pinball. If you can't do that in a pinball machine or a pinball table, it just it ruins the, I don't know, it just ruins it, in my opinion. Yeah, you have it's to hard be, to get yeah, into. You have to be able to know the rules of a pinball machine and be able to play by those rules and de- defeat those rules and without being able to control the ball in any meaningful way how do you expect to do that without just randomly pressing buttons and hoping the ball magically lands where it needs to well that's yeah. how you have to play ruin or pinball and it's really really annoying and um yeah which is a shame because i think if the physics were really solid like in pinball fantasies uh which is actually a half decent pinball game on the jaguar um, I think Ruiner Pinball would have actually been pretty good, but the physics are so bad that it's, yeah, it's just not worth playing unless you're just a complete yeah. newbie. So Again, I don't think it's one of the worst games on the system, but it's definitely one of the worst games I own. And uh, I actually used to enjoy this game, but as my tastes have changed and I've been exposed to more and more games, um, there <coughs> really is no point in playing it. <coughs> uh, Super Pinball. Yeah, Super Pinball Behind the Mask is way better. <laughs> but staying on our... But that's not 64 bits, Austin. It, that's only 16. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and my second to least favorite or the second worst game on the Jag You know what's is funny is I've noticed we've actually... We're, we're sharing a lot of these same... I haven't named mine, but we're sharing some, some of the similarities same games. There are some similarities yeah. here. Fight for Life which is a 3D textured polygon fighting game, uh, which should be awesome, um, but it isn't. Uh, Take everything that's fun about Virtual Fighter, the original Virtual Fighter, and then just take all of that away, and you have Fight for Life. (laughs) Pretty much take everything away, and you have Fight for Life. It's. I think when I've played this game, I, I. It's been a while, Austin. I think fights go on for way too long. It's not a fast game. Uh, I don't think the move set is particularly deep. I don't think the camera system is particularly deep. I don't think. I don't th- really think there's anything very deep about this game. Uh, I don't even think the game's finished. To be honest with you, I think uh, it was released because Atari had no staff left because they fired everybody. Yep. I, I, it's it's not a good game. It's but it is it shows potential. It Fight for Life shows potential. It's got a half decent 3D polygon engine. The characters the frame look rate kinda, isn't even that bad. No, the frame rate's not that bad for at all. For what it is, um, a textured polygon game on the J. The moves do not feel satisfying at all, and they they leave. Uh, aside from power moves, anyway, like your normal jabs and your kicks and stuff like that. If you throw out a punch. The enemy just gets knocked back like two millimeters and just rebounds. And it does not have this good feeling at all. If you punch someone in Virtua Fighter, you can see you can see them recoil backwards and like mm-hmm. you get this nice thunk when you make contact. And you don't get that at all in Fight for Life. It has a very poor combat system and um 
the the collision detection just does not feel good at all and it, it doesn't even work that well at all again no. if you want to make good contact and fight for life you have to use your special moves which aren't even they're all slow and sluggish they're not very special <laughs> they're not very special <clears throat> Sorry, one of the one of the cool gimmicks though I have to give it is that when you're playing in arcade mode, you can uh, steal moves from your characters or from your opponents. Sorry, uh, basically when you knock out an opponent, opponent you can choose a special ability to have for the rest of the game. And so by the end of the game, theoretically your move set is pretty large. And that was a cool concept, but I uh, I think they were kind of like reaching out there, and they should have just had individual movesets for each characters but as you mentioned this was towards the end of uh atari and the jaguar and um it pretty I much fired everybody it was <laughs> the last atari released game on the jag yeah. before they were sold or merged or whatever they did yep it was before atari as we know it died mm-hmm. and is now you know a subsidiary of a subsidiary of a shell company something something yeah. Uh, well, Atari so, was eventually bought up by JTS, or they merged with JTS, which was a hard drive manufacturer, which was kind of interesting. And JTS left the uh, the Atari, you know, they still continued to support the Jaguar for at least another year. And then during that year is when we started seeing telegames releases and stuff like that, you know, injecting a little bit of extra life into the platform. And we started seeing Jaguar CD systems uh, appear at places like Electronics Boutique. Um, but after that, that was pretty much it for the Jag. Um, shame it had to end on a note like Fight for Life. You know, it's just... Yeah. Uh, Shows so much promise and it just isn't. And that's kind of the Jag in a nutshell. I should have picked it as the worst game, but there is something way worse. And this is po- possibly the worst game I've ever played, Austin. <laughs> and uh, that's Checkered Flag. Which is an absolute joke of a racing game. Uh, again, this is kind of a, a ripoff of a Sega game, Virtual Racing, which w- is uh, still is spectacular. Checkered Flag is a 3D polygonal racing game with awful tracks, awful controls, awful frame rate, and uh, is just pretty much miserable in every way. I like in the fact, music. This game is so bad that I have actually I have a complete script written for this game for a video review, and I just don't want to record footage of the game because it's so awful. <laughs> I'll record footage just, for you, <laughs> and then I'll do the yeah. It's just it's bad. <laughs> there there is not a single redeeming quality uh, to this game at all. Well, to be fair, I also think Checkered Flag is one of the worst games in the system, and to sort of spoil things, it's actually my least favorite game, at least on my list anyway. Uh, but I, I do like, I, I'm a sucker for the old school, flat, shaded polygon look, and Checkered Flag at least has that. And, oh, and um, screenshots? Yeah. Screenshots. The game looks amazing. Yeah. Or if you just... But then you don't realize the game is just a series of screenshots. Or, or if you just have your car <laughs> sitting there and you're not controlling it, you're just like letting the engine go and the music play. And it, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so it's more fun to not race than it is to race. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> this also game is cheap. The, the soundtrack's kind of cheesy too, but I've always liked it for some weird reason. Um, and I do like when you select your car; it's like rotating around, and the animation is smooth. But Checkered Flag's problem is first and foremost the controls, and I think the controls are so terrible 
partly because of the next <laughs> worst thing about the game is the frame rate. I mean, the game will literally <laughs> run at, you'll be lucky at points if you get two <laughs> frames a second. It's literally a slideshow at parts, and I thought some of the games in the 3DO were bad, but Checkered Flag really uh, you know, gives that system a run for its money. Um, yeah, it, Checkered Flag's just so much potential, and like I think it was hyped when it came out, and I think that if Checkered Flag had a great frame rate and great controls, that we probably would have saw a lot more Jaguars sold, and I think Atari would have done better. I think it was really with Checkered Flag. The, the Jaguar already had kind of a rough start. It had it had Raiden, which was great, but it also had Cybermorph, which a lot of people were kind of like, eh, it's cool, but uh And then it had like 16-bit ports, basically, like Evolution Dino Dudes and yeah. stuff like that that wasn't really that impressive when the system came out. Trevor McFur. Yeah, Trevor McFur. Oh, man, don't even get me started. Um Checkered Flag, I want to say, was like one of the first really big releases for the system, and total flop. Total, oh yeah. man, Atari made a horrible decision with that game to release it in the state that it's in. And I think that, I honestly think that really hurt the Jaguar. I think it really hurt its reputation. And yeah. that's what you see on all the YouTube videos. Yeah, how bad Checkered Flag is, yeah. and it it really is. They're not exaggerating. Yeah. It's it's awful. It's awful. So, Chris, I guess I'll go ahead and kick off my list, uh, although a lot of the games are the same. So, first and foremost for me um, is Ruiner Pinball. Again, pretty much cool concept. It had potential. Physics are horrible, which is kind of half the point of a pinball game or more. So, uh, yeah. my next pick is actually Hover Strike, the cartridge version. Now, the CD versions actually half decent. It runs at a half decent frame rate. It's got some really cool lighting effects, uh, which you actually didn't really see that often with Jaguar games. And uh, it's got a cool soundtrack. The cartridge version, though, which actually came before the CD version, <sighs> much like Checkered Flag, it had potential, but. And it's actually more of a game than Checkered Flag is. And it's, oh, yeah. It's more playable. It's, I've played Hover Strike. But Hover Strike... I've, I've enjoyed the, Hover Strike. The part <laughs> for me... A lot, there's a few people that do enjoy Hover Strike, but for me, the frame rate is so bad that I just can't enjoy the game at all. You know, it's almost at Checkered Flag levels at some parts. It gets really, really bad frame rate-wise. And uh, Hover Strike is definitely a bad game, Austin. The biggest problem for me is just the the level design is really bad, and I I really struggled to figure out what the game wanted me to do. Yeah, it was like uh, some guys were designing some maps and was like, oh well, here's our play field. Uh, well, here's some enemies. Let's just put them here, 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 and there, and you know, let's just do like a Skittles pattern or something like that. And click, 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 click. Oh, yeah. there's our level. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be Miyamoto stuff right here. This is going to be the stuff Legends is made of. That's probably what they were thinking when they were making that game. <laughs> but it's interesting <laughs> polygons, textured polygons at that. Um, it's I, actually... I it's a bad game. To put it in the perspective, Iron Soldier actually has really well thought out stages uh, with a similar gameplay format, actually. And uh, there's a lot of JAG games yeah. that have this sort of mis pseudo-mission-oriented uh, gameplay setup. You know, Battle Morph was like this. Hover Strike was like this. I-War was like this. Iron Soldier was like this. Cyber Morph, to a degree, was like that. Uh, and there's actually other games that are like that as well on the system. And 
Hover Strike is probably the worst of them, in my opinion. You know, if you have a JAG CD, it's actually a pretty solid title. And there's some cool full motion video. The soundtrack's decent. But the cartridge version was just like Checkered Flag. Probably shouldn't have been released in the state that it was when it came out. It should have been polished up. They should have toned back some textures if they realized the frame rate was going to be that low. Um, and, you know, if the frame rate was great, I think the game would probably be fine for what it is. It would be okay, and it would be somewhat recommendable, but the frame rate is so bad, I can't, I can't recommend Hover Strike at all. So, um, going down the list, my next one is Club Drive, which was not on your list. And uh, Club Drive had a Only lot of... Only because I've never played it. <laughs> now, to be fair, Club Drive actually has a really, really fun two-player mode problem is unless you have friends around all the time um (laughs) you're stuck with the single player mode and it is just you know the game looks really basic which i don't mind it runs at a really really smooth frame rate which is great but club drive's problem is that a lot of time for when you can't tell your terrain apart from like walls and important objects because <laughs> there's so many like single dark shades of color on the screen everything just starts to blend in with one another but then <laughs> your curves in the game are made up with like oh man like these ridges and like i don't know imagine you had like a bowl and like your bowl was made up of like five different edges of a polygon so it's not a smooth bowl. It's a rigid bowl as you're going down it. And the problem with checkered flag is when your car goes down, say this bowl shape, it doesn't go down smooth like you would if you're going down a hill in a real car. It latches to the to the edge of the polygon. So it you don't get smooth movement when you're going over hills or you're going over ramps or stuff like that. It, it's really hard to explain, but if you go watch a video, you'll see exactly what I mean. It's like... Your, your car is trying to snap to, like, the flattest surface nearby every time there's, like, a ridge or something like that. And it's just, it's such a bumpy experience. It, it makes controlling the game harder, and it just makes it a very nauseous experience at the same time. Had everything been really smooth in terms of the movement and motion, I think it would have been a pretty cool game. Like, it's got some really cool Easter eggs. Like, you can actually take a warp and go to, like, the original Atari headquarters building. And it says Atari on the top. This is this big building you can drive around. And then uh, there's, uh, when you're small, uh, I'm sorry, there's a level where you're basically driving around. You're almost like a matchbox-sized car. And there's this huge-ass cat that just, like, walks by you. And it's just, like, this square, rectangular cat that basically has no motion or anything it's just this big block that looks like a cat just floating (laughs) across the floor and it's hilarious like i really like things like that like it's obvious the cat was blocky because everything in that game was blocky but it's funny at the same time and i can i can get that but uh, it's so nauseous when you're playing it's just not worth it um but the two some of the two-player modes are really fun though like the tag mode is just a blast um, but yeah, for the most part, a pretty terrible game. Don't recommend it, especially for the price it sells for these gays these days. It's like fifteen or twenty bucks cartridge only, probably. Um, you know, maybe twenty five or thirty for a complete copy. Definitely not worth it. So uh, the the next two, uh, Chris has already named, and it's Fight for Life 
and then checkered flag, with checkered flag obviously being the worst. Or maybe they should both be tied together for the worst, because they are both pretty bad. Um, for reasons that we've pretty much already stated. And I really don't recommend trying any of these games out. I mean, maybe checkered flag just for grins, because it's so cheap. Checkered flag is probably one of the... Words can't begin to describe yeah. what exactly. you... <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. So, there you have it, guys. Our favorite and least favorite Atari Jaguar games. To pretty much, I guess, wrap up this... Yeah, to pretty much wrap up this episode, right? I mean, this has uh, yeah. been a fairly decently length episode. <laughs> it's Austin-sized instead of Chris-sized. <laughs> I like a lean 55 minutes, and Austin's good with an hour and a half. That's all right. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I uh, hope you enjoyed this. Episode 65 uh, will probably go to, uh, you know, back to more variety. But uh, I was happy to celebrate, you know, the 64th episode with the 64-bit Jag. So I think, I don't know who gave us that idea, Austin. Does it matter or no? Uh, I want to say it was one of the Reboot guys. Awesome. So Reboot guys, so if you're you listening, thank you. Atari.org slash Reboot? Right? Uh, it's just a guess off the top of my head. Let, let me let, let me search it. <laughs> nope, totally wrong. Reboot. <laughs> Reboot.atari.org. Reboot.atari.org. Uh, they're one of the premier homebrew developers. There are a few homebrew developers on the Jaguar, but Reboot has been the most consistent uh, in terms of quality releases as well as just the consistency of uh, their game output. And all their games are pretty high quality. Um, this, uh, Superfly DX is a great game. Downfall is a great game. Uh, and Rebooteroids, it's coming out shortly. I, I truly... Uh, uh, I can't even talk right now. I'm so freaking tired. <laughs> um, I, I assure you, Rebooteroids is going to be an amazing game. And uh, if you're thinking about getting into the homebrew Jag scene, you must check out this game when it comes out. So... But uh, so yeah. with that, please <laughs> leave a comment in the comment section below on the website Implant Games, and uh, we'll see you all again in two weeks. Did I mention I'm really tired? Yes. Thanks again, everyone, Ooh. for listening. It's been a fun <laughs> episode. We'll be back with episode 65 soon. So until then, take care. Boo.